All right, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn in the, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, the book of Acts chapter 2. Now, I could be wrong, I usually am, <clears throat> this is, uh, this portion of God's Word talks about Pentecost, and unless my figuring is wrong, today is the 42nd day since we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. And according to the Bible, it was 40 days and the Holy Spirit came. So I'm just thinking about this Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, okay? Actually, it was Friday, the day of Pentecost. But I just wanted to, I wanted to celebrate today. So that's what we're doing, all right? Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, I mean all the way, no holding back, they were all with one accord and they were in one place. And all of a sudden there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house where they were seated. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance and gave them understanding. And there were dwelling in the Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confused because every man heard them speak in their own language, nothing short of a miracle from God. No less than 120 came out of that upper room. They were all amazed, the Bible says, and they marveled, saying to one another, Behold, aren't all these people Galileans? What's going on? What's taking place? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians, the Medes, the Emilites, the dwellers in the Mesopotamia and the Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Pergola and Pamphylia and Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Serene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our tongue the wonderful words of God. Hallelujah. And they were all amazed. I would have been. I'd have been shocked. They said to one another, what's the meaning of all this? Others mocked them and said, oh, these men are full of new wine. They're, they're drunk. But Peter, amazingly here, stood up with the eleven and lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken unto my words. And this is what he says. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but only the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Joel, this is what Joel said. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And all my servants and all my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy also. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that 
great and notable day of the Lord shall come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Brother John, right here, would you lead us in prayer, please, brother? <clears throat> Dear Father, this is in the time of old when Pentecost came. The Holy Spirit came upon your people like never before, Lord. We pray that your Holy Spirit will fill our minds and our hearts today, Lord, that we will listen to the words our pastor has today, that we will hear a word from you today, Lord, and we will learn to walk by your spirit, Lord. Yes. We will learn to live for you daily like we should, speak like we should, and act like we should, Lord, at work, and school, wherever we may be, Lord. Help us to be a light in this darkness that we live in today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> a few questions. What makes an attractive church? What makes an attractive church? Is it the building? People, we drive by, we see these massive church buildings. It's millions of dollars have been spent so they'll look good. Is it the building? What about the parking lot? Nice black top, well marked, plenty of handicapped spaces, plenty of spaces for the visitors and guests. How about the landscaping? Beautiful trees, shrubbery. How about the meters and the greeters? When you walk in the door, they're ready to hang you a bulletin. They welcome you. I want us to go a step further. You're listening, guys. I want us to go a step further. You who are ushering. When somebody new comes in, and they say they're looking for, ask them, who they, would they like to sit with someone, or could you show them to a seat and be ready to usher them to a seat? It just be a little more personal. That makes an attractive church. <clears throat> How about the singing? We lift up the name of the Lord in song, beautiful music. What about the preaching? Does that make an attractive church? Sometimes it does, sometimes it does not. What makes an attractive church is this, where God meets with his people. He said, where two or three are gathered, I'm going to be right there in the middle of you all. I'm going to love you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to speak to your heart. That makes an attractive church where the Holy Spirit shows up. Hey, you can meet and sing all day long and preach your heart out, but if the Holy Spirit's not part of it, you just well be out in the woods somewhere shouting in the holler. A church that lifts up the name of Jesus, that recognizes the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, the Holy Spirit's not an it, the Holy, person, Holy Spirit is a person just as real as the Lord Jesus Christ. We have God the Father, we have Jesus the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit of God that lives and dwells in us if we're saved. And he hadn't moved out, by the way. It's us that backslide. It's us that decides we ain't going no more. It's us that decides I'm not going to read the Word anymore. I don't understand it anyway. I was talking to a man last week, and this is what he said. He said, I've read the Bible from cover to cover. He's never been saved. He said, I've read it from cover to cover. And he said, it's the most gruesome book I have ever read in my life. 
I said, what do you think is going to happen when this life's over? He said, you cease to exist and that's it. It's over with. Done. And I don't believe nothing else. Well, without the belief in God's holy word and without the Holy Spirit of God, you're not going to be saved. You're not even going to be able to live a right kind of life. Because the Holy Spirit of God is our guard. He's our guide. He's the one that speaks to our hearts. No, it's not an audible voice. But it's that still, small voice that urges us. Listen, when I'm being urged, I know if it's in the wrong direction or not. You don't have to say, hey, that's, that, that's not right, is it? No, I, I'm an adult. I'm grown. I know right from wrong. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to me, I know it. When the devil speaks to me, I know it. He's real. And so is the devil. But it is amazing to me how we conduct ourselves sometime and we say, well, I'm a Christian. Well, maybe you need to have your tank refilled. Uh, maybe you need to check your gauge. Maybe it's not working. Well, I want to just think about today being Pentecost Sunday, which means 50. Jesus came forth from the grave walked upon this earth, showed himself for 40 days. And he left and he said, boys, I got to go. If I don't go, comforter's not going to come. Can't you imagine in heaven the scene? The Holy Spirit's just ready, okay? And Jesus is ready. As Jesus gets home, hey, 10 days later, the Holy Spirit of God came. Pentecost means 50. So you got 40 days across roaming over the earth, and 10 days later, which made 50, the Holy Spirit of God came down, set the place on fire. The disciples were instructed to go to this upper room and to wait on the Holy Spirit of God. They had only been with Jesus, you see. They had only experienced eating with him, watching him perform miracles, and going with him, and seeing all the difficult things that he experienced and went through and how he handled it. And all of that took place so that they would know how to carry on the word of God, how they would know how to carry on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then comes the Holy Spirit of God. First of all, I want you to notice in verse 1, it simply says that they continued in prayer. They were all in one accord, in one place, thinking the same thing. They continued in prayer. The place, upper room. It was the center of the early church. It was the scene of the Last Supper. And it was the place of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost. I think of not only that place, in my mind, I can close my eyes and just sort of visualize what it must have been like to have been in that upper room and windows. We see a purpose also in this. You see, we need a purpose, y'all. What is our purpose? Do we have a purpose? You know, our purpose ought to be to live for Jesus every day, not just on Sunday, but every day out there in the field, wherever you, wherever you hang out, wherever you work, 
wherever you go, at school, wherever you, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit is going with you. You are representing the Holy Spirit of God. Do you have a purpose? Our purpose ought to be to share Christ with those we come in contact with. And I urge you again, pick up the pamphlets and take them and give them to somebody. I got them in three different vehicles. I mean, I want them available. You know, when, when I see the need, hey, I'm going to give that person that pamphlet. I'm going to write my name on it. I'm going to draw an arrow up there to my phone number. I want them to know who we are. The purpose they were waiting for the Holy Spirit. The place, the purpose, but they were also in prayer. Prayer is simply this, communication with God. Now some of you, you've, you've, you've told me this and, and I accept your, your thoughts. You say, I just cannot pray in public. Okay, that's fine. But do you pray at all? In your quiet place. The Bible talks about entering into our closet. Okay, I don't think he really literally mean go in the closet because I've told you before, you know, uh, I've got some closets that, and when I open, I'm ready to grab something because something's going to fall out. Okay, those closets I can't get in. I think what he was saying is get yourself somewhere where it's quiet, where you can tune the world out. <clears throat> Excuse me. Where you can tune the world out and talk to God. You say, what do you say? Well, hello God, this is Kenny. I just wanted to call this morning to let you know that I had a good night's rest and I want to thank you for it. Oh, by the way, Lord, too, I want to thank you for saving me. I appreciate you saving me and I ask you to forgive me of my sins that I commit. And Lord, by the way, I want to thank you, too, for my family. And God, I want to thank you for my job. I want to thank you for all the provisions you provide for me every day. Lord, I don't know what else to say, God, so I'll just say goodbye. Okay? You can do it. Then, if, you, if you've gone that step, listen to me. Get with somebody who prays. You know who prays. Just simply say, hey, I want to learn to pray. And I'd love for you to help me. I want to learn to pray. I, I, I'm always praying by myself. I, I can do that. I don't have a problem doing that. But when praying before somebody, I, I just don't feel like I have the right words. So would you help me? Hey, I'd be thrilled to death. It's okay. We're going to pray. We're going to get out and we're going to pray together. And let that person pray. Say, I'm going to help you now. Come on. What do you need to pray for today? You've been saved? Yes, I've been saved. Well, let's thank God for your salvation. Prayer is important. You ain't, you still, you may never get to the point that you can stand right here and offer up a prayer. And that's okay. I don't want you to feel bad if you can't do that. But you need to be in an attitude of prayer. You need to be where you can pray. If somebody walks up on the street and says, look, man, I'm having trouble. And I I know you're a Christian because I know who you are. Would you pray with me? That's just two people. So yeah, let's just step over here aside and and pray. You don't have to know everything that's going on. The thing about it is, God does. These people were up there in that upper room. They were in the, that was the place they were. The purpose was waiting on the Holy Spirit of God, and they were praying. I don't know all they were praying. I'm satisfied they were praying, Lord, we, we sure miss Jesus. 
We, we don't know what to do except do what he said. He said to wait. Now, God, we're, we're going to wait right here. Okay? It's important. They continued in prayer. Second of all, listen. Uh, we've heard this before. Prayer is the key to heaven, but faith unlocks the door. You can't just throw your prayers out there. Pray them and believe what you're praying. Bible says believe what you're praying. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Okay? Second of all, not only that they continued in prayer, but when we look at the scripture there, they concentrated on some power. I want you to look at verse 2. And suddenly, I mean, while they were praying, while they were concentrating on communicating with God, all of a sudden there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. They concentrated on it. We read about a, a sudden sound. It was unseen. You can't see the wind. I love to do this with, with little children to when the wind's blowing. Say, look, look at this. Look at that wind. You see it? Yeah, I see it. I said, what did it look like? Hmm, I don't know. You can't see the wind. But I love to sit in the quietness at the house on the porch and hear the wind blowing through the trees and look and see the leaves or hear the chimes because of the wind, a mysterious thing God created. The wind, it has its purpose. The wind was unseen here. It was unseen. All, hey, it, all of a sudden, it, the sound of a rushing mighty wind, it filled the house and they, where they were sitting. It was uncontrollable. They couldn't, hey, you could have shut the windows, but you can't control the Spirit of God. Allow the Spirit to work in you and have His way in you. So, it was unseen, it was uncontrollable. And look at verse 3, he says, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon every one of them. The power was unavoidable. <laughs> Here they sat. I mean, the wind blew in. Sat upon every one of them. Fire, as a fire came down and set upon each one of them. It was unavoidable. The problem with us, you see, sometimes is we avoid the Spirit of God because we are afraid. I don't know how long, probably a year or two, I battled the call to preach because I was the kind of person, I'd do what I said. And if I made a promise, I kept it. I didn't want to make that promise of, of surrendering to preach. I didn't want to do that. I was enjoying all the things I was doing. I did not want to do that. That was the last thing on my bucket list, by the way. It wasn't even on the bucket list. But it is constantly grinding away. I want you to preach. I want you to preach. I want you to preach. And I'm thinking, Lord, if, if I do... I will stick by it. Well, I wrestled with it for quite some time till, till God won out. How did these people experience Pentecost? That's a good question. We know that they experienced it in prayer. They were praying when the Holy Spirit came in. Um, they were expecting something. I mean, the Lord Jesus told them today, unless I go, he ain't coming. So I must go so he can come. So they were expecting somebody. 
Look at verse uh, chapter uh, 2, verse 1. And when the day, see there was a day. God's timetable never missed, y'all. It has never missed and it never will miss. In the day of Pentecost. Listen, when the day of the Lord gets, comes, nobody's going to stop it. Who knows when the day of the Lord's coming? Not one living soul except God the Father, not even the Son knows. In life, if you still have your Bible open, look at verse 46 of chapter 2. Now, where do you flip over there? This is the activity that was going on here. Uh, when this, this thing come in and, and settled on each one, and they continued continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house that eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. They welcomed one another into each other's home. They were glad to see one another. Now they were ready to go. They were ready to do what God had called them to do. And, but the problem with us today, we avoid that. We avoid that. You know, I love to go. I love to go and I love to visit. But sometimes people don't want the pastor there, which is okay. I understand that. You know, if you need me to come in my overalls, I can. If you need me to drive my old van, I can. If you want me to show up in a three-piece suit, I can. You know, I, I'll do whatever, whatever I'm asked to do. So how did they experience this? They experienced it in prayer. They experienced it in expectation. They experienced it in life, but going from house to house, loving one another and taking care of one another and breaking bread with one another and meeting one another's needs. Look at chapter 4, verse 24, would you? Chapter 4, verse 24. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, Thou art God, which hath made heaven and earth, and the sea, and all that is in them. He is the great creator. He did everything. He laid it out just like it's supposed to be. He sent Jesus. Jesus died just like it was supposed to be according to the scriptures. He arose from the grave according to the scriptures. He is alive today according to the scriptures. And according to the scriptures, the Holy Spirit of God is in this place. Because we're two or three gathered, he's promised to breathe that there beside us. Well, we think about they continued in prayer. They concentrated on the power that was exhibited to them. But they also celebrated the performance. Let me tell you something about the performance of the Holy Spirit of God. Look at verses 3 and 4, chapter 2. And there appeared to them cloven tongues as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And look what he says. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I don't have time to get into all this, but I'll just tell you right quick according to what the Bible says. It's okay if you want to speak in tongues, but it better be an interpreter. If not, you're wasting your time. You're just another noise. You're just another racket. People say, what do you believe about in speaking in tongues? I said, I believe in it. Well, explain that, okay? Lynn and I went to Africa. I couldn't speak that language, okay? But I'll guarantee you, if there was only one last chance for one old boy to get saved who was an African, and God wanted me to speak to him in his language, I would have spoke in his language, he would have interpreted and know what I was saying. Hello? 
And all this whoopy people say, oh, you ain't got the Holy Spirit if you don't speak in tongues. I have had a letter. I am speaking in a tongue. <laughs> I mean, I, you ain't, if you can't handle a snake, you ain't got the Holy Spirit. Well, bless your heart, I ain't going to handle no snake. Not even a dead one. Well, I have the Holy Spirit of God living in me because the Lord Jesus Christ came into my heart in the form of the Holy Spirit of God. And he ain't moving out. I don't know where these people get all this off-the-wall <clears throat> stuff. And you may have been raised up in it, okay? I'm sorry. I'm just telling you what the book says. The Holy Spirit of God is real. He is a real person. He lives within every born-again child of God. And he can speak through us. This is a miracle here. You saw the, these, these men said, are, are not all these Galileans? Are not all these Westminsters? That whole crowd up there. I heard him speak the Lord Jesus in my language, and I, hey, I'm from Podunk Holler. You know, I heard him speak, speak that language. God can perform that miracle even again. I want you just to understand this morning. The Holy Spirit of God is real, just as real as the devil. And we need to, we need to uh, uh, acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is real. And it, listen, they concentrate on the performance. Listen to this performance. There was no explanation. They couldn't explain it. Listen, when people are in the Spirit of God and they're obeying the Spirit of God, you can't explain it. You just accept it. So it was not only unex uh, uh, no explanation of it, but uh, there was no exemption from it. Every one of those guys began to speak in a language where everybody in that town that day heard the gospel in their own language. They were away from that, responsible for what they heard. There's no experience like it. I know that for a fact. There is no experience like when the Holy Spirit of God takes over. Now, he can be in your life in my life, and not in charge. We need to allow him to be in charge. There were three symbols given here. It talks about the wind. You know what the wind is? That's energy. That's power. It talks about fire. Hey, if you've ever gotten burned, there was some enthusiasm there. You were jerking and snatching, trying to find something to cool you off. They were fire, enthusiasm, excitement. And the tongues was expressions of God's love sent from heaven. Isn't it amazing that God said, okay, Holy Spirit, it's time to go. Jesus is home. I want you to go. Ten days, here he shows up and he speaks. I'm thankful today. I am so glad today that, God, that the Lord Jesus said, I want to send you a comforter. And he has come, and he is here, and he'll be here until Jesus comes to get to church. We don't have to wait on the Spirit of God to come. We already have it. He's here. He's here right now. And I think about that day um, in heaven. What a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. Can you imagine what a day 
that'll be. I, I, I encourage you today, if you don't know the Lord Jesus, I beg you, just simply ask God to forgive you of your sins and ask him into your heart to save your soul today. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow never comes. We only have today. What will we do with this day? I want you to spend it wisely. And part of spending it wisely is to know that you're saved. If not, then get saved. Come down and say, I want to be saved. I want the Holy Spirit. I want to be guided by Him, guarded by Him. I want to do all He wants me to do. Even as a Christian, <clears throat> maybe you haven't been following the Lord like you should. You just want to come to the altar this morning and, and just lay it on the altar. Maybe you're carrying burdens this morning. Things are troubling you, bothering you. We've got the cross here. Here's, here's the paper slips and pins and, a, and, a, and pins to nail it to the cross. I challenge you today. Whatever decision you need to make, don't put that off. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I know without you I'm nothing. But I know with you I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. And I thank you, God, for the Holy Spirit who lives and reigns in this place. I thank you that we are together here today. Lord, and I pray that, that every born-again child of God, that we're on the same page as far as what we, what we believe, that we believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And that we have things in common that we love one another. God, speak to hearts. I've done what I felt like I should do today. And Lord, I pray that you'd honor it, that you'd take it and use it for your glory and for your honor and not my own. And we'll thank you and praise you for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Mark's going to lead us.